This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bus stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bus, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash peacefor24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 487 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, August 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Uh, it's going. have to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan here this afternoon, um, so hence the, the shorter version of the show today, but I have to uh, go up for a work conference in Ann Arbor. Looking forward to some nice weather up there. Uh, at least I'm hoping it's going to be nice weather. And uh, Should be. Back to flying, man. No, the no-fly July is over. Flew last week to uh, Chicago. Wasn't too shabby, and then uh, how now is the shoulder? How are uh, you feeling? It's going. I still can't do any exercise or run, so I've been a lazy bum, and that sucks. But um, 
Other than that, if, if, I think it's doing all right. We'll see. I've got my first follow-up appointment with the surgeon on the 21st, and I'm hoping the, it just feels better. So, well, I'm glad. I'm glad it's. I'm glad it's uh, getting better. Obviously, yeah. That would, that would happen with time, but uh, thankfully no setbacks. So hopefully uh, you're back up and running in no time. You could play some blitz ball, by the way. I loved that you referenced it. And something we're about to talk about takes right into our question of the day. How has Aaron Nola run off a 171 ERA, a .99 whip, and 78 strikeouts and 68 and a third over his last 10 starts? Pretty much all on our mixed labor team after we traded Ken Giles for him, unfortunately. It's not thrusting us to victory, but you actually wrote about him at a piece that will be going up at Rotowire soon, and uh, you referenced Blitzball because that's what his two seamer looks like. What's going on with Noel? It's in, yeah, the, the movement. If you, I think we talked about this a lot. That if you're not following Pitching Ninja on Twitter, uh, you should. You're making bad decisions. Yeah, you're making bad, you've, bad you've life up. decisions. Uh, and like this morning, he had uh, animations of. Aaron Nola's curveball, and he called it his 90-mile-an-hour blitz ball. It was this two-seamer that went from one part of the black to the other side of the black on the plate. And it's just two-seamers aren't supposed to do that, uh, but that's what he's doing. Uh, and if you don't know what blitz ball is, YouTube uh, blitz ball videos and, and enjoy watching those because they're a lot of fun. Uh, Basically supercharged with but what he But what Aaron Nola is doing right now, to me, when I look at it, it's a matter of getting ahead in the count early. Now, a lot of people will, will equate that to first pitch strikes, and that's not the whole picture. First pitch strikes uh, first pitch strikes are nice, but they don't all correlate to magical success. Now, if you're a very poor first pitch guy, of course it can it can really hurt you. Your two first your two worst first pitch guys on the season are Chris Tillman and Blake Snell. Um, so yes, if you're you really go. bad at first pitches, it's going to be tough. But if you're really good at them, it doesn't automatically guarantee you're going to be great. But the magic is the third pitch. So if you can get to two strikes within three pitches, and Jim Hickey from the Rays talks about this a bunch, and uh, he's talked about it forever. I, I, I quoted the story from 2007 when I was writing about Blake Snell recently over at the Process Report, talking about. But if you can get the two strikes within three pitches, it just expands your zone, and then you can get batters to chase pitches they don't want to swing at but they have to with two strikes and, and if it looks like a strike i've got to do something with it but and this is where it comes with aaron nola because if you look over the last 10 12 starts his his swing and miss rate on his changeup and his curveball just keeps getting higher and higher and higher and what that tells me is he's getting he's getting ahead in that count by that third pitch he's getting in that one two situation or that o2 situation and then batters are starting to swing at pitches that they think are going to be strikes because that's what the ideal curveball and changeup is. Nobody throws their changeup for a called strike. It just kind of happens sometimes. And you can maybe throw your curveball for a called strike, but you're going to try to drop it in the zone. But most often, that pitch is used to start in the zone and finish out of the zone. Uh, and so if you're in that two strike, you can't let that pitch go. You're going to try to swing at it. And he's getting his swing and his whiff rate on his curveball right now was up close to 30%, and he's getting it. You watch that. Watch last night's game, and you're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. But, again, if you, the pitcher has the inherent advantage over a batter as soon as they step on the mound. It's how they execute that plan is what dictates, is the biggest uh, factor in how that at-bat's going to work out. And if you're, if you're down 2-0 all of a sudden, you're giving back some of that high ground. So get ahead and then expand the zone. And right now, he's just pitching in the zone. And I, I, I make this reference in the article. Yeah. You know, to me, this reminds me a lot of how James Paxton was pitching late last year and that Aaron Nola could be next mm-hmm. year's James Paxton in that kind of dra- in the draft time. Everybody's like, 
I'm all in on this guy. Well, why are you doing yep. this? He has no track record. And then look what James Paxton has been able to do this year when he's been healthy. It's been awesome outside of like three starts in a row. But it's just boom, boom, boom with him. Well, and I think Nola could be that guy next year. And unfortunately, I think that tracks all the way in that I'm not sure that we're out of the woods with Nola's health yet either because he was pitching brilliantly last year and it all fell apart and it certainly looks like he was trying to pitch through some of his injury last year before eventually being sidelined early if you kind of look at the 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 game log for Aaron Nola I don't know that he just forgot how to pitch because the bottom line 478 ERA 131 whip you're like what what do you what do you mean he had a uh, you know he did well last year but if you look at the very beginning of that season through about uh, his first 12 starts or so he had a 265 mm-hmm. ERA the rest of the way it was five awful starts in a row uh, and then a DL stint. The first start off the DL stint was very good, six scoreless. Then two more disasters, and his season was over. Aaron Nola's was on July 28th. If that's not, you know, if you don't think the injury was mostly to blame for those struggles, I just, I, I don't agree. I don't agree. And so I think we look at the guy in those first 12 starts, and we're seeing that version of Nola again right now. So I completely agree with you that he's going to be one of these hot ticket. Uh, sleepers, or you know, not even sleeper, kind of like that mid-round guy who, uh, you know, is going to be seen as the 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 next big thing. He'll have his detractors. There'll be some who, because he's going to get so much hype, they're going to. I don't want to be on the Nola train, but I definitely think we're looking at somebody who's uh, who's got fantasy ace potential. And I, I stress the fantasy part because I'm not quite sure he's a full-on MLB ace. And we can get into all of you know the differences between those two if they're are any or whatever but i think uh aaron nola is a beast so i do look forward i do look forward to reading your piece on him all right jason we got to get to the uh the ugly the ugly news of the baseball weekend listen i don't really care which team you root for i know some people don't like him but if you are not uh, if you don't see the value that bryce harper has to baseball you're a clown whether it's even even as somebody who does, if you do dislike him, they, you got to have that that uh, that that guy to hate, right? It doesn't work if if you if if everyone is is beloved. There has to be some of those those villain types, quote unquote. And I think Bryce Harper fills that role brilliantly. So even if you didn't really like him because you know I think he's too brash, or you're a Giants fan, or or, or you're Hunter Strickland, awesome. what? His hair is too awesome. Yeah, or you have bad hair and you're just jealous. Or you have like, no hair. Regardless of how you feel about that, hopefully you aren't the kind of garbage bag who would like root for his injury or be happy. That looked terrible. Um, it, I thought it was going to be the the worst worst of the worst, and right now it's looking like a hyperextension that's putting him on the DL. Uh, we'll kind of play it from there. What is it? A couple weeks for sure. Well, and then, and then I don't. Go I mean, there. this is a it's a deep bone bruise, is what they're saying. So no, nothing torn, okay. but. You know, if you're in a reset league, I think there's a case to be made that you may need to drop them because let's they have a 14 and a half game lead in the NL East, right? Uh, let's say he's going to be out a minimum of a month. That's an absolute minimum. That puts him back in uh, September 13th. The Nationals could win mm-hmm. that division before my birthday on September 20th. And then why? how much is he going to play? Do they just give him like one or two at-bats and then yank him out just to, just to keep his timing good? Do they really need to play him every day? How much is he going to be Bryce Harper after having that much time off uh, and then coming back? So, you know, I'm, I'm a bit cons- – in a reset league, again, if, if I'm close, if I'm second or third place and I'm – 
I would, and if I don't have the spot, let's say you're in one of these leagues that you have no bench or that your DL is already full uh, with some other guys, I, I could make the case of cutting Bryce Harper and picking up somebody else that I know is going to play and using him rather than keeping that roster spot for the what if. Well, let's talk about some potential replacements. And uh, we kind of called together some names that are 50% or lower at both ESPN uh, and Yahoo or, or one or the other. And we'll start with David Peralta. Out in uh, out in Arizona, he's having a pretty solid season this year, uh, kind of getting back on track to what he was before the, uh, the the 2016 season injury injury riddled season last year for David Peralta really kind of left him on the sidelines. But this year, 12 homers, seven stolen bases, 305 average in the midst of, of that really strong lineup. So he scored 65 runs as well. How do you feel about David Peralta as a uh, I like him. I, I, your, your beggars can't be choosers at this point. Uh, you're looking at a guy that, got, that does have some productivity when he plays against right-handed pitchers, um, and so that's a good place to go. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised he's under 50% owned at Yahoo. Yes, he doesn't play every day, but he's a, he's a very solid player in a very productive lineup. So um, I actually meant to give the whole group at once, and then you can kind of pick your favorite here uh, and maybe highlight somebody that you're really not interested in. In addition to Peralta, we have Dexter Fowler, Aaron Hicks, and Gerardo Parra, and then I'm going to get to some deep league op- options. But these are guys that are going to be available in a lot of 10- and 12-teamers. So between Peralta, Dexter Fowler, Aaron Hicks, and Gerardo Parra, do you have a favorite that really jumps out? Fowler's always going to jump out to me on that list. I mean, the Cardinals are playing really well right now. They're tied for first. Uh, you know, I know he had the grand slam the other night, and he's been uh, hitting with more power of late since he's come back, and that lineup's been producing runs. And and to me, I'm riding the hot hand there. I think Hicks, you know, I'm kind of iffy on Hicks. He's in there right now because Frazier's out with the oblique injury. Once mm-hmm. he comes back, how's that playing time going to shake out? For me, I would leave Hicks. And we saw, we know what he can do at the plate. Okay, we yeah. see his defensive value. I mean, he, that, that play the other night where he threw out um, uh, Eduardo Nunez. Eduardo Nunez uh, trying to stretch it out. And, and to me, that's on Nunez because Hicks is like the one guy I'm not going to run against. And that's, that's where I. I don't like the move is running on Hicks specifically the 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 choice to run I didn't think was a million percent awful I think forcing a play to try to get there with uh with one out at third base with as the tying run I don't hate it I know you're already in scoring position it's aggressive but against Hicks was what really got me if you're going against not even somebody bad like it doesn't have to be Ellsbury who doesn't really have an arm even Gardner who's like solid kind of mid-level uh, sort sort of outfielder there, that I would be okay with. But running on Hicks yes. is what really was I mean, the let's problem. Let's not forget, but, throw exit velocity, his throw velocity, he's throwing a ball 105 miles an hour from the outfield. Yep. Uh, and yeah. it, and you think about the dimensions of Yankee Stadium, how it's deeper and left center and whatnot. Uh, again, any there's like maybe five outfielders. I'm like, okay, that's a really dumb decision. Hicks is absolutely in that group of five. Hicks was one of them. And that's, yeah, that's why it was hard to defend. Again, uh, but so defense is definitely going to get Hicks favored. I think the playing time will still be there even when Clint Frazier comes back. I think Frazier might lose some time. I think you can start slotting in um, Ellsbury and or Gardner at at DH with Matt Holiday down. So I think Hicks's playing time will still be there. We have to see if he gets back on track to the stud that he was before his DL stint. Uh, what about Para, who's just been crushing? out in Colorado. It's been, you know, kind of a batting average sort of thing. There isn't a ton of power and there's no speed, but uh, is is he somebody that you'd look at? It, I haven't looked at the schedule recently. I don't know if they've got a, right. a, a big home stretch anytime soon. 
But how do you feel about Parra and what he's been doing? He's having a really good season this he year. He is. He's been hitting. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. About about home about yeah. But I think we talked about his home schedule and we looked at somebody's schedule. I was trying to look it up um, with everything to see where it was. I've, I've got it here now. So um, yeah, his home schedule. They've got a whole stretch of home games coming up this week against Atlanta, Milwaukee. That's nice. And they go to Kansas City and Atlanta. Then they come back with Detroit, Arizona, uh, and Detroit, Arizona, and San Francisco at home. Yeah, for the next three weeks. You know, with that schedule, yeah, Parra, Parra might be my favorite guy of that because that's a lot of home, and it's not exactly Murderer's Row on the road either until they get to the Dodgers. Until they get to the Dodgers on September 7th, that's honestly the first time I'm like, okay, that's a little tough. Um, so you yeah. got two, three weeks where you could go with Parra. He's got a 1067 OPS and a 413 batting average at home. So maybe I prioritize para a bit with all the home games coming up even though i like all four of these guys it's really tough to be definitive on one or the other and availability is going to cancel some of them out for you like i i know they're not all available in everybody's league so i think i'm going to rank them para fowler okay uh, hicks fowler or fowler hicks I think Fowler's playing time is yeah. more guaranteed. I do agree with you on that because Hicks' playing time is your biggest concern. I think that's completely fair. So I'm going to go Para, Fowler, Hicks, Peralta. And Peralta being last is not that far. That's a tight group right there. We've got Eddie Rosario down here, Rancho, who's been red hot himself too. I mean, I don't know if he's even – I don't know if he's even deeply, deeply – I could take him over over Peralta or Fowler. I got Peralta or uh, – yeah, Peralta or Hicks. I'm sorry. I could look at taking him because he's red hot right now. He's, he's out of his mind. I mean, he's got 16 homers on the season, 293 average, five stolen bases. Uh, he's doing a lot of his damage recently. Let's see. Over the last 28 days, 317 average and six of his 16 homers. So Eddie Rosario's raking. The reason I put him as a deep league guy is because he's more widely available. So you're going to have, you know, the, some of you, in, even in 10 or 12 teamers, aren't going to have any of those four outfielders available that we mentioned. Then Rosario becomes an interesting option for you. What about teammate of Bryce Harper's, Brian Goodwin? who uh, has been doing some things this year. Former prospect, I remember seeing him at the Arizona Fall League and really liking him, and, and he's taken a while to kind of do something. He's not you know, out of his mind. He only hits 247, but a 498 slug, uh, 13 homers and five stolen bases. His playing time seems more guaranteed now, and Michael Taylor uh, gets called up. What about the two Nats that, that, uh, that get a playing time windfall with, with Harper going down? How do you like both of them? Yeah, I think I remember we talked about Goodwin when he came up uh, when when the injury first happened with Trey Turner. Do I have, yes. do I have this timeline? Yes. And by right? the way, Taylor off and the DL, I, not called up. He was not in the minors. He was on the DL. Okay, so I remember when this when that happened. I was like, yeah, he, he, the talent's been there, but he really hasn't done anything with it. Well, now he's done stuff with it. Uh, you know, that's that's what's really been impressive with him is he's doing things with it this time around, whereas previous opportunities have have just not materialized. Uh, and he's done it when I go back and look since the you know, early part of June, seven home runs. The batting average just hasn't been there, but the counting categories have been. So this would get back to your needs in a super deep league. I don't think you can be picky uh, in a 15-team in a mix. He may, is kind of towards the back end. Um, but if I can get seven homers and four stolen bases and mostly full-time playing time out of a guy in an NL only league, I'm rather happy at this time. 
and he, you know, Brian Goodwin bats near the top of the order regularly, first or second. So runs and RBIs can be there even if he's not hitting super well. Like I said, 247 batting average. So uh, you can definitely look at those options there with Goodwin and Taylor. Taylor's having a solid season as well. Taylor and Goodwin both have kind of similar profiles, to be honest, where they don't have, um, you know, it's not a ton of batting average. Goodwin from the left side, Taylor from the right side, some power and some speed. I think Taylor's speed is better. So if you do need speed, I would favor Taylor. If you're just going for maybe the, the, the best player uh, between those two, I would say Goodwin. Uh, all right. Jason, let's talk about some potential all-formats guys that we've been doing the last few weeks uh, on hitters. And just looking at these guys, their recent performance, and wondering if they should be on a team in just about every league out there. Uh, Odubel Herrera is a guy that you know I was I loved what he did last year. I was definitely interested in drafting him this year, and he labored. Uh, he really labored through the first several months of the season, uh, despite bat flipping his way uh to the bench regularly with, with a very low average and he just wasn't doing anything great well he's had a huge uh huge run of late now over his last 28 days four homers two stolen bases 375 average and a 1075 ops in that time in fact he's been raking pretty much since the start of june uh 321 average and 870 ops in june 360 1066 in july 349 973 in august it was the april or excuse me it was the may that really uh sent his numbers downward 183 average 453 ops so for three you know three plus months or two plus months now odubel has been hitting well how do you feel about him should he be on a roster in every team yes he absolutely should be you look here at the second half he is top five in terms of of weighted runs created plus he's at 193 his second half triple slash is 384 41 700th I mean, Stanton, Trout, Blackman, Taylor. Those are the four names ahead of him. That's it. Wow. Um, he absolutely should be uh, in, every, in all formats. Uh, and if you don't have him already, I don't know what you've been missing. Here's he one. Is, he's been killing it. Here's one. What about new teammate Reese Hoskins? Now, he doesn't have anything to really go off of. He's he's O for his first 10 at the big leagues. We're not going to do anything off of that. But Reese Hoskins... Uh, was absolutely dominating the minors the last two years from a power standpoint. 29 homers this year in 475 plate appearances, 38 in 589 last year. That was at uh, AA last year, AAA this year for Reese Hoskins. Not a huge prospect. You know, he is a 24-year-old first baseman. You know, you don't see a lot of first base prospects. But I think this year, kind of following up his 2016, Reese Hoskins has shown like, hey, I'm a legit power hitter. Here's what I've got. Do you think he's going to come up uh, and display that power and should be on a uh, a team? I mean, in all he leagues? answered a lot of that. Like I said, he answered a lot of that question because Reading is a very, very good power hitting environment, and he took full advantage of it. Then he goes to Lehigh Valley this year. That's, yeah, that's yep. the double and then A. He goes last to Lehigh year. Valley yeah. this year and puts up another 24, 24 homers, four triples, and and twenty nine homers. Um, and his walk to strikeout ratio was nearly one to one, and that's a big thing because he cut way back on his strikeouts. He had one hundred and twenty five in double A and in five eighty nine, and then yes. four, and over four seventy five, he had seventy five. So it's still even if you were to stretch that out, he's still going to end up striking out, uh, cutting into a strikeout rate by a good amount and that's what you want to see and then they call him up and they put him in the cleanup right away so that's where they kind of see with him when you look at the power potential if you're looking to looking for power rbis you're a team that's lost bryce harper yeah you pick up and plug him in and let him go i kind of set your expectations he's going to struggle but 
at this at this time with the home ballpark with September pitchers uh, getting ready to come up, there's a good chance he could hit eight to ten home runs the rest of the way. Yeah, I think I think you take a shot, and I think just about every league should have Reese Hoskins on a roster. And again, it's one of those situations where it might not be your roster uh, uh, because you could already be set at the uh, the first corner right. and utility spots and outfield because um, he is gonna he's come up and he's played the outfield so that definitely helps you might be able to fit him in somewhere but some team out there that that needs some power I think even in ten teamers could could fit this guy in because he is somebody Reese Hoskins who could hit you know. 12 15 homers rest of the way that's that's obviously the high end of his projection but he's shown some insane power uh what about eugenio suarez he's a guy who's kind of gone in waves i think he got off to a brilliant start really went in the in a lull and now is on fire again and you look at his composite line 262 369 473 i like that the the 107 point split between on base and batting average 20 homers 62 runs 59 ribs and three stolen bases for eugenio suarez should this 25 year old third baseman be on a uh, be on a team in every league yeah i mean especially you look over the last 30 days that's 286 398 582 he's got 15 home runs uh, uh, eight home runs and 15 runs scored and 15 runs driven and during that time. So that that power production is nice uh, right there. And yeah, you got to be putting him in, in the lineup every day at this point. And again, ballpark, September pitching, there's a good shot at 30 home runs for him. Yeah, he's had, he's had a really impressive season. Uh, okay, one last guy I want to talk about before we get to our two-start pitchers and jump out of here. Joey Gallo. And, you know, we could talk about him in the in the context of should he be on a team in all leagues. But I'm also just kind of interested in your thoughts in him uh, at large because we see this guy is 23 years old. He's hitting 208, uh, which is obviously terrible, but 32 homers, 62 runs, 61 ribbies, six stolen bases, by the way, a little six for six action, which is nice. Uh, Joey Gallo is somebody, obviously, that you have to kind of alter your team to have on to cover his batting average. But should he be on a team in every league? And is he a keeper candidate for you, Jason? What about Joey Gallo? Yes and yes. I mean, there was there was talk that the Rangers were reticent to trade him because they were worried he was going to be the next Chris Davis. And guess what? He's playing just like Chris Davis. Uh, yep. I mean, you look at he, he's he'll walk, he'll strike out, or, or he'll hit a home run. Over the last thirty days, eleven home runs, eight non-home runs. So it's just it's crazy. And you think, oh, the, the home run, the fly ball's got to come down. Uh, he doesn't hit cheapies. Uh, and he's gonna hit. He's gonna end up hitting 40 home runs when the season's all said and done. If you want to take, give him a discount. He's still gonna hit 30. And is there is there value in a guy that's gonna have 30 home runs and hit 225? Yeah, you know, maybe there's maybe there is a little bit more batting average. And over the last 30 days, he's been 257. But even in a even in an on base league, and his on base percentage during this run is 360. And then he's slugging 730. How often do you see slugging percentages more than twice the OBP? Uh, but that's that's where it is right now. I think we just have to embrace crazy. him for who he is and, and what he is and, and stop pointing at what he isn't. I mean, he's Adam Dunn with more speed right now. That's kind of how this stuff is playing out. And when he right. he's trying to hit everything in the air, and when he hits it in the air, most of the time it's leaving the yard. He's a monster. He's an absolute beast. Joey Gallo is. I love the speed contributions. He's 10 for 10 in his career, by the way. Uh, with 39 homers and 530 plate appearances over 158 games. So basically a season. And he's not a stiff. Well, he's not a stiff. They've given him nope. time. They've he's given him time in center field. Yep. They've given yep. him time in center. That That's where the Adam Dunn thing can, might mislead you uh, because he has that bottom line of him, the triple slash of an Adam Dunn, but he has the athleticism, uh, you know, kind of like a Cody Bellinger perhaps with the big power. You may might not think about how now, 
how good he is athletically. I mean, the center has, I'm looking at the games played. I was reading something the other day where they were talking about playing him in center field. So it hasn't happened yet, according to oh, okay. our, our game logs. But he's got 10 games in the outfield uh, this year. And he's got 60, 15, yeah. And he's got, so he's got, we're going to have third base eligibility. Depending on your league eligibility, he's going to have outfield. So third base outfield uh, eligibility. And even first, I'm sorry, he's going to have first base as well. So first base, third base, outfield eligibility with uh, with 30 home runs. Yeah, he's going to hit 220. But again, I mean, 220 is pretty a safe projection, but again, league-wide batting average is pretty much 250. It's not like it's absolutely killing you. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, if you if you plan properly when you're drafting Joey Gallo and you have a game plan to cover it, that's a guy that you know if you're if you're mapping it out properly, where you're kind of focused on batting average in the first several rounds, and then you get Joey Gallo, he's a boon for where, where you're drafting him. If you're not planning for it, if it's just kind of, hey, you're taking the best talent, then boom, there's Joey Gallo, he kind of costs what he should. But if you've planned for it, if you've got big batting average guys, DJ LeMayhew, uh, you know, it's like your your fifth-round pick to kind of offset somebody like Gallo, I think that he can be somebody that's uh, that, that's a really nice addition to a team. I don't usually go for these types of guys because I don't want to do the extra planning. The same reason I don't go for the speed-only guys because uh, I don't want to do the extra planning on the fly in the draft. But if you do it ahead of time, I think you can get some net value out of a guy like Joey Gallo. All right, Jason, let's talk two-star guys. And there's a handful here. I kind of I kind of see them in two groups, uh, the, the, the first five and then the next four. Uh, so I'm actually going to break them up as such. And we'll talk about these first five. Give me your favorites. Uh, between Kevin Gossman at Seattle, home to the Angels. John Gray, home twice, Braves in Milwaukee. Trevor Bauer at Boston at KC, pitching well of late. Marco Estrada getting back on track a bit, home to Tampa Bay at the Cubs. And then Colin McHugh at Arizona, home to Oakland. Do you have a standout favorite from that first group there? Yeah, I'm going to lean to Trevor Bauer because he has been pitching well of late. I and mean, he's not hurting himself with blocks. Of all these pitchers that, we've lo- that we're going to talk about here, there are three pitchers that have allowed fewer than one home run per nine innings. And believe it or not, Bauer is one of those. Uh, in your head, you may think, oh, there's no way it's going to be him. But yeah, he's been one of those. So he has been pitching better of late. And the matchups aren't absolutely killer as long as, you know, when you're at Boston, that's a, that can be problematic uh, if you if he doesn't have his command because they're not hitting for the power they're the way they're doing things is you walk them they get on base they take the extra base uh, i know some has been made uh, we talked about nunez earlier about them running an ounce but they are still one of the they're above league average in, in generating runs on the basis so yeah they do get thrown out a lot but they, they it also yeah, is it's a net positive uh for them so that's where i lean right you gotta force the action i i would caution against estrada yes it's tampa bay and they've scored like nine runs in the last eight days but every time they have faced him this year, uh, it has been rough. There may have been one. The most recent one may have been a little better, but they have really put a hurting on him this year. Uh, and and for a, when a team has been as bad as they have been offensively this month, there's only one way to go, and that's up. And I and that kind of lines up to me as the start where it really gets hurting, uh, where they take out some frustration against him. And so I would I would caution against that one. Gossman's the other guy I do like. I mean, he has been getting a strikeouts and. Yeah, he's been pitching better of late. Uh, and, yeah, the home runs, I think the his, in the second half, he's won three of his six starts. The Baltimore team is doing better. And he has been he was allowing some home runs. But it feels like uh, I want to look at the game log that they came in a bunch because when I see a 1.8 home run rate. Yeah, yeah. it was 
four against the Cubs, and then one zero zero one one are his second half uh, homer totals right. for Kevin. And Dawson. he just he did just face the Angels. I know the Angels are one of the matchups, but he just did face them and didn't do so well. I mean, allowed ten base runners in five, um, struck out six, allowed a home run. That's a bit surprising um, for the way that lineup outside of their top two guys um, performs. But hey. They have a wild card right now. Pick a day. Everybody has a wild card. I think your Tigers still have a shot. They kind of do, which is – I don't think they're mathematically (laughs) eliminated yet, but that's kind of funny. A nice walk-off win for them. You know – when your team's What's bad, a run feel like the score? I'm just, I, it, I'm, it feels good. It felt you good. You didn't answer listen, me on Twitter. I, I don't know I what it still, looks like to have a one on a scoreboard. I still love it. I still, you know, listen, to watch the game just about every night. I, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys and pretend like I camp in front of the, uh, the iPad or the TV and meticulously watch every inning of every game now that the Tigers are not uh, in the pennant chase. But I have the game on all the time. Uh, every night and so having it on yesterday kind of like okay you know they're you know this they're, they're gonna lose this game it's not going very well oh they're getting back in this and then kind of in the in the middle of the game like okay i'm gonna sit down and watch this this is one of those wild games that you know is going to be back and forth and that's exactly what it was ended with a walk-off dub that's why you watch every day because you still get rewarded with with awesome fun walk-off wins even when your team is headed uh for, for the basement leaves game with a hit pitch Stop! Took it Stop right with the injuries. On the, took it right on the left wrist area. I'm watching a highlight video of it right now, but that's unfortunate because I was going back to look to see if Stanton hit yet another home run. He hit one already today, putting him at 42. Um, no, he didn't. Are you serious? Yeah, he did. And went oh oppo against uh, Herman Marquez. Oh my god, that guy is bananas, dude. He's absolutely out of his mind, and I'm loving every second of it. We're getting the Giancarlo Stanton season that we've been waiting for for seemingly. Three decades, but uh, said this earlier. Nice top to five, direct, uh, top five pick next year. I think it'll happen. I absolutely do because he, he's probably going to chase down fifty plus, and uh, everyone that's been on board before will feel justified to get back on board, and that's just going to start push the price up, 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 up. And yeah, he's going to end up in the top five. Yeah. All right. So the second grouping here of two start guys: Denelson, Lamette, uh, Philly, Washington, both at home. Jared Eikhoff at San Diego, at San Francisco. The the Perfect West Coast two-step that you love. Uh, Ivan Nova at Milwaukee, home to St. Louis. And Ty Block, this fool, man, just keeps going out and getting the job done with stunning consistency as far as I'm concerned. Ty Block at Miami, home to Philly. I just don't get it with this guy. Uh, you know, his bad starts are still really bad because his margin for error is is so is so low but his good starts are amazing and I don't even I don't even necessarily get that uh, but who do you like most out of that uh, that quartet there Lomet Ikoff Nova and block I imagine it's between the first two but now, actually it's, it's tough to overlook block when you look at the second half as long as you can afford to not if, if you don't need strikeouts you got a nice chunk of strikeouts he's been he's not mm-hmm. walking people he's not giving up home runs he's keeping you in the game he's won two of his last five goes starts. deep in the game yeah too. he's won two of his last five and uh, and and it's working out for him and, and with with Lamette, the walks the walks have been hurting him that's really the strikeouts have been there for him but the walks have been hurting him but you know I, I like block uh, here and block and Ikoff, the sweet matchups there on the West Coast and then the way blocks put your game I'm gonna go with those two and and again that's assuming that I don't need the strikeouts and that's where I'm at I mean with Nova I guess I'm a little I'm, biased of late he's the the games that I've watched just hasn't pitched well he's won one of his last five starts and just giving no. up way too many home runs 
Yeah, and it, it, it's it's there's a lot of uh, Yankee Nova that's been out there of late, and it's been it's been tough to watch. And you talk about not getting strikeouts. Right now, he's also not giving you the ratios. You know, the, uh, Nova and Block are, are are similar in terms of what they do at their at their peak. He's Michael wow, Pineda, you. Yeah, that's n- you never want that. You never want well, that. Multi eight point six strikeout four. per nine, one point nine walks, and then two point two homers. Yeah, see, that's that's brutal. He's honoring uh, his former teammate. Love you, Mike. He hasn't. That's not great. I didn't know that he had. Uh, first off, I didn't know that his strikeouts had spiked a little bit, but it's not worth it. I'd rather have the ratios back. I'm going to go with Eikhoff and Lamette as my two favorites. Lamette is is a total boomer bust guy. He seems to either allow a homer or strike a guy out. Nothing really in between. I've cited that stat that I saw, um, you know, a couple weeks back where it was like. 42% or something crazy of either an extra or no, I think it was like 54% of his plate appearances were either a strikeout or an extra base hit uh, to that point. It was something crazy, but I love the upside when he's on. I watched him in that battle against Luis Castillo. It was a really uh, intriguing matchup. I like that. He's going to get two at home. So I'm going to take Lamette and Ikoff. I'm going to favor Ikoff. I'm going to go Ikoff, Lamette, block nova and i was a big nova guy coming into the season so to have him last on the secondary group here is a is a little bit surprising but that's just where he's at right now so uh that's kind of how i feel jason any final thoughts here we had to do a little bit of a quicker one but we wanted to make sure we got something uh, something recorded yeah any, I, any final i thoughts? would like to point out yoan moncada uh has 86 plate appearances now since being called up he struck out 30 times uh in those that, that that's good right 14 walks is nice but he's just up there holding the bat and just waiting for either the strikeout or the walk. Well, I saw him go yard. I was at the Thursday night game when he went yard off Oppo off Ken Giles to tie that game up and then won it in extra innings. So, um, but this is kind of what we cautioned about when he first came up. Uh, and same thing with comparing with Devers too. When we said, you know, remember Moncada last year had his struggles, um, and there were some contact issues here in Triple A Charlotte this year with him that have carried forward. Um, but feel like pointing that out. It's all, it's exciting. He has a very bright future, but there are going to be some, uh, some, uh, road, uh, bumps in the road as he gets down that 105 plate appearances as a major leaguer. And you're talking about a 39% strikeout rate. Now I understand that's a little bit skewed by the 60% strikeout rate in his 20 at pat, uh, 20 plate appearances last year. But like you said, 34% so far in 85 plate appearances this year, that's a big issue and it's a big hurdle to production. So, uh, just temper expectations. He's 22 years old. What I would caution against is overreacting. If you were a huge believer, you need to kind of stay the course and, and deal with some of these growing pains or you're going to lose out. You're going to quit too early and, and everyone else is going to scoop him back up. And, and you know, guys like Jason and I who don't jump in on the, these flavors of the month right away are going to get him on the uh, on the on the post hype. So, you know, be careful with somebody like Moncada. I'm watching enough of him. You've probably watched more so far. Uh, I think these are going to be persistent issues for a while, but they aren't going to prevent him from having success. It's just going to kind of, you know, uh, lengthen the learning curve, I guess we could say, on Moncada. But uh, he's still somebody that's very, very exciting, and that White Sox team as a whole is. Jason, have a good flight, safe travels, and uh, are we on for next weekend? Yes, we are good for next weekend. Fantastic. Then you guys will hear us next Saturday. Jason, take care. All right, you too, bud.